0: Welcome to the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Your weekend wake-up tradition for the last 30 years. It's Rosie on the House. It is a pantheon of concrete and steam. It is a city that rises defiantly in the Delta, alongside the father of waters. It is the humidity of autumn evenings, the draped stately oaks and broad magnolias. It is haunted, and it is wild. It is a Louisiana gumbo of humanity that cheers its Tigers to victory and destroys the dreams of invading foes. It is the cathedral of college football, and worship happens here, when the sun finds its home in the western sky. It is a field of glory, for sure. But much more than that, it is a sacred place. And it is Saturday night
1: in
2: Death Valley. Well, we don't get to have it Saturday night. It's Tuesday around lunch work for you. LSU football coming to Arizona.
0: Wake up, Rosie.
2: This isn't going to be a sports broadcast. Don't no. worry. But how can LSU come to town for the festival and we not cover it in the seven o'clock hour? Rosie would want it that way. You know what? Yeah. That's my get out at jail card till he's back. Rosie would want it that That's way. That's
0: exactly right. There's your there's your excuse.
2: And when we take relatives, if you're new to the broadcast or you're just tuning in, uh, you're listening to Rosie on the House. What I originally started as a home improvement radio broadcast back in the 80s here in Arizona has morphed over the last 30 years. In 2004, we extended to a third hour and brought in landscape and gardening. And then I guess it's been three years or yeah, it'll be three years on February 14th. And it'll be four years. It'll be four years on February 14th because my daughter, Landry, will turn five. And we had the first broadcast on her one-year birthday.
0: Oh, I say So it's five minus one.
2: Five minus one. There you go. Mm -hmm. Landry's age minus one. So (laughs) it'll be four years. In February, we added a fourth hour, and this is our Arizona People, Places, and Events, and a big event happening here in Arizona. It'll start at the end of this broadcast at 11 o'clock. We'll be 72 hours away from kickoff of the 2019. Is it, it says this would be the 2018 festival or is it 2019?
0: Well, I guess it it would be 2019 since it's New Year's Day. So, uh, but it'd be the
2: 2018 season. True. So, I think, anyway.
0: Well, we talk about the Arizona Hour brought to you by Sanderson Ford. uh, And uh, it's about people, places, and things. So, the way I look at it is the people are the LSU fans that are coming to town only the second time that LSU's been in the state. First time was with Arizona State. Third. Oh, oh, third time? Third time. Okay.
2: Uh, you know what? And, and the Republic got it wrong on uh, Shame on
0: you. <laughs> Thursday, so
2: did I. In the sports section, they said LSU football in Arizona. 2003, LSU 59 over U of A 13. I was there. Uh, only time I've been at U of A Stadium. Beautiful stadium, by the way. Beautiful green lawn. Uh, 2005. This should have been in... Baton Rouge, but Hurricane Katrina. The Katrina game. uh, The LSU facility was being used to harbor refugees, people fleeing the hurricane. They were helicoptering in and out of the uh, track and field to bring in supplies. So it got moved to ASU, Sun Devil Stadium, and LSU won that in a come behind victory. I think they had to score like 17 points in the fourth quarter to win 35 to 31
0: it was an emotional game for a lot of folks because they were affected by Katrina but uh early Doucette
2: north west corner of the stadium uh up on the high rise and I saw early Set running towards us this was fourth down from like the 35 yard line the last chance LSU had and Jamarcus Russell off his back foot uh flicked a a perfect pass Early du set caught it with one foot in bounds, and uh, LSU won that. Then, where, what they got wrong is they said 2006, LSU 45, Arizona 3. It says LSU football in Arizona. That was not in Arizona. That was back in Baton Rouge.
0: It was. It was. With the Wildcats? And, and yeah. Laron
2: oh. Landry was still on defense. Oh, I remember sitting there with my uncle, who lived in Tucson at the time. We were sitting in Baton Rouge. And I said, watch this. It's been a while, but early Doucette's going to – or uh, Laurent Landry, watch out for him. And the next play, he intercepted it, and it, it kind of started the the path to a 45-3 to victory. So, so LSU
0: owns the Wildcats
2: the- <laughs> at this point.
0: Well, getting back to what I was saying, that the Arizona so, Hour – So third time. Oh, third time. Third time okay. they're in the state. Go- going back to what we said, it's about people, places, and things in Arizona. The people are the LSU fans coming to the Valley. The the uh, place is Arizona, and the thing is the Fiesta Bowl. So we thought, you know, with Rosie Diehard, I, you know, he's the diehard uh, LSU fan. Well, here's and, how deep it goes. Families.
2: Yeah, his father, Dr. Rosie, mm-hmm. was in the stadium with his wife, Baby K, who was pregnant in 1958 Halloween night oh. when Billy Cannon returned a punt return. For a touchdown, and the video, they say he should have been tackled at least eight, or at least eight opportunities to be tackled, and LSU won six, seven to six, over uh, Ole Miss. It Ole Miss, and they went on to win their first national champion that year. Mm. Since then, we've had season tickets in Death Valley. Still to this day, we have them in the family, and they've been passed down onto Dad now. Uh, so it's, it's a deep tradition. And what we thought we'd do instead of talking about sports, the sport of football necessarily, when we take people to Louisiana, they all say the same thing. I feel like I need a passport to be down here. <laughs> so we thought there's gonna be a yeah. l- there's gonna be a lot of people that are just going to the festival. They don't care about L S U, they don't care about University of, of Central, Central Florida. Florida. Mm-hmm. But we thought we'd at least maybe help you, you fit in a little bit or understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. So here's some things you need to know to be an LSU fan or, or, or to fit in the LSU crowd. Because as Pat Ford of Yahoo Sports wrote in September uh, 2011, LSU fans have descended upon Dallas and remind us all of the truth. When it comes to partying, they're the pros, and we're all just amateurs. (laughs) So you're going to want to go to the LSU tailgate. You're going to want to go to where the party is, and we'll help you fit in a little bit. Not that you won't be welcomed if you don't, but you'll understand a little bit more of what's going on around you with this information.
0: I guarantee you, if you show up for the tailgate, somebody will shove some food. It would either be boudin we'll or But we'll get to it. We'll get, we'll, we'll to, get it. to food. Yeah.
2: But the first thing you need to know is the four seasons in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. You've got the beginning of the year starting off with crawfish. Right. Then you've got your crab season. Right. Then you've got hurricane season. And then you have football season. Yeah. Those are your four seasons.
0: Now, sometimes hurricane season affects football season. If there was something threatening the coast, then you've got to figure out if uh, – you're going to stay at home, or you got to go to another stadium to play. So, well, like Katrina, yeah, yeah, just that was like into September,
2: that was pretty late for a yeah. hurricane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, you know, sometimes seasons overlap. You could catch crawfish, you know, pretty late into June sometimes.
0: My surprise yeah. is you could get, you can catch crawfish in Arizona, and I just learned <laughs> about how to do it two years ago.
2: <laughs> Did you learn that by listening to Rosie on the House? Uh, listening
0: to Rosie right. on the House, plus uh, uh, the annual crawfish boil in uh, Heber Overgard. I got to see how they uh, ch- uh, got the traps put together because I-, I love going up to the lakes and fishing. But, and I've, saw- once I saw crawfish, I had a big smile. But, you know, two or three I can catch on my pole ain't enough. You need a 40 pound sack.
2: Boil. You need a 40 pound sack to make a meal out of crawfish. Right. But you also need right. to know the difference between Cajun and Creole. Yes. Now, this can be. A very long topic, and it can be very opinionated on each side, and it can go back with plenty of supporting uh, stories and proofs and writings on both sides. But simply put, Cajun is everything south of I-10 and west of Kenner. Creole is everything else.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We always defined it. You
2: could could also put it Cajun is country. Hmm. Creole is city.
0: Yeah. We also defined it, if you look at a map of Louisiana, Alexandria is dead center. Draw a straight line from border to border. Everything down there is Cajun country, for the most part. You know, New Orleans uh, has a little mix of Cajun and Creole. Everything to the north is Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Arkansas. Arkansas, too, part of that.
2: See, you're a little bit more uh, farther north on your line. Ours is I-10, and... From a family that comes from New Iberia and Welsh south of I-10, mm-hmm. anything north of I-10, but you do have Opelousas. We'd probably uh, you have to include them. them. Scott, Scott, we let we uh, let them in because they got best stop, the you, best boudin in the world. Mm-hmm. So you, you're, there's a, a few areas that maybe maybe you can go a little bit north yeah. of I-10. But
0: yeah, but the folks in Bunkie and Ville Platte, I mean, that's that's pure Cajun too. So that's uh, now that with I-49 that cuts through. Uh, that, that Cajun uh, culture has really spread up to the north. When you get to Alexandria, it gets a little cloudy. Sorry, Alec.
2: <laughs> well, the estimated population of Cajun is 1.2 million. Uh, they say 800,000-plus of those are in Louisiana. But they also say there's 56,000 in Texas, uh, did, which we would have expected. I, mean, I can't tell you. My uncle had seven kids. All of them live in Houston. I guess my great uncle. Mm -hmm. What would be the next state behind Texas? You'll never guess it, so Uh, I'll save you. California. Oh,
0: wow. Wow. Okay.
2: Then Maryland and Maine, when they were uh, kicked out of Nova Scotia by the English. Mm -hmm. There's a a different word they use for that. Um, But when they were forced to leave their homes, they would just land wherever the ships landed, and a lot of them did end up in that far northwest once Mm -hmm. they came around the peninsula. But most, most came around the Florida Peninsula and ended up in Louisiana. The Cajun, Cajun is known heavy, heavy French. But you also have to know there's a huge influence of both Spanish. Where do you think Romero came from?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, my real last name we found out, we had to go back 12 generations because it, it's, it's pronounced in a French way. That's why I, I say Gary D because the last name can be a real fight for anybody. But, uh, but it's pronounced in a, with a French dialect. But going back 12 generations, I've always contended that it it came from Spanish, just like Romero did. And we found out that was true.
2: And there's also a heavy influence of African roots. In Mm -hmm. fact, the word Mm -hmm. gumbo, which I think anybody knows is a a very, you know, the centerfold of Cajun meals, the word gumbo is an African word for okra because okra was found a lot in gumbo. And I'm not sure what tribe that comes from, descendant, but that is an African word gumbo. Mm-hmm. Our center, our center staple of food. We are past our due for a break, so we'll come back and we'll dive into the food a little bit because that's going to be the key point of the tailgate: is what you're looking at, what you're eating, and understanding uh, the amount of time and preparation that goes into each one of these meals. <laughs> Former LSU player and writer, John Ed Bradley, penned once, Tiger Stadium is haunted and all the ghosts favor the home team. <laughs> I will tell you, walking into Tiger Stadium, it feels alive. The original stadium, all the, uh, all the housing for the football players was built into the stadium. So you're walking past these dorms that haven't been lived in for years, but you swear there's eyes on you as you're walking past these rooms. I mean, the energy that you feel walking into it. And before it was expanded on, when it was down to about, I think the seating capacity was 60,000, it has set off the Richter scale across campus, indicating that there was a an earthquake. And that was before it seated 104,000 people. And they did that with half, oh, about sixty percent of that yeah so population.
0: Louisiana doesn't get earthquakes. They're very small, <laughs> but if they do get one that registers
2: it's Saturday. It's night. Saturday
0: night in Death Valley.
2: So yeah. before we get to food, a couple of things you have to be able to know real quick. When it comes to music, mm. it has to have a fiddle and an accordion. Right. And you can play the Star Spangled Banner with the accordion. Absolutely. That is acceptable. Mm.
0: Scrub board too. Scrub board. Yep.
2: Gotta have that. Gotta have the scrub board. You have to know at least five Boudreaux and Thibodeau jokes. That's not enough.
1: Ah, <laughs> yes!
2: You have to be able to make each yeah. joke last at least five minutes before you get to the punchline. Right. You could get right. to the punchline in 30 seconds, that, but that doesn't cut it. You have to build the story up to at least five minutes. <laughs> Storytelling is a big part of the culture oh, in yeah. Louisiana. And to get to a punchline quick, what are you going to do with the rest of the night? If you got five K Boudreaux jokes and you burn through them in five minutes, and you you, you got to stretch that out. If, if you can make it, them all last at least five minutes, and you're with three or four other friends, and they've all got five jokes, man, you got two and a half hours of joke right, telling right
0: there. Right. You can also pull out a deck of cards and play boudreaux.
2: You got to know boudreaux. Oh, well, you got to know boudreaux. The uh, the trump card. Mm-hmm. Chicory does go in your coffee. It is acceptable to put roots in your coffee.
0: Also known as the New Orleans blend.
2: And you have to know how to size up a gator in the water, Shaq. When a gator's sitting in the water, you see the eyes and you see the nose. That will tell you how big it is. If you can guesstimate how many inches from the tip of his nose to his eyes, that's equal to the length of body from the teeth to the tip of his tail. So if it's only about five inches, you're bigger than that gator and you can handle him. Okay. That's if, that gator, if that's about a foot long, I wouldn't touch it, Shaq. <laughs> you just let that gator be. When it comes to your food, mm. you have to have what they call the trinity of cooking. <laughs> your onions, your bell peppers, and your celery. Right. Now, there's a lot of garlic. There's a lot of green onions. There's a lot of whatever you've got in the kitchen. But your base comes back to your onions, your celery, and your bell peppers. I, what did I say the first time?
0: Onion, celery, bell peppers. You got it right. Did yeah. I say that the first yeah, time? Yeah, and garlic. Well, for me, there's never too little garlic well it's, and it's it, always you got to put more that's in
2: a natural skeeter deterrent yeah. so if you got a lot of garlic in your body you get a lot less skeeter bites there it's, it's critical
0: mm-hmm. a natural deterrent folks
2: because this game is so early hmm. it's going to be hard well most of this food is going to be prepared the night before but if you don't have time to cook we did some calling around for you now, Baby K's, that's my grandma, uh-huh. it's not in the family anymore, and it's moved out to Mesa, but they've kept all of Grandma's recipes. Baby Case Cajun Kitchen in Mesa, they are open on Monday, so you could call ahead and order. I would do the rainy Wings. Okay. I would do the Lulu Wings or the Alligator Clam Basket and Mama K's Potato Salad. All of those will be easy to digest before 1030, and you won't be feeling it during the game. Now, the best meal there is Tuesday. their seafood enchiladas, but they're not open on New Year's yeah. Day. Yeah. Flavors of Louisiana, you're going to have to call this one in today because they're closed on Sundays always, but then they're also closed New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. So if, if they've got one in Avondale and they've got a new one in Chandler. Their best meal is the crab landry. It's crab stew with toasted French bread and topped with five fried shrimp, but that might be a little hard. On uh Tuesday morning. Yeah. Uh I would do the basket, the side baskets of hush puppies, fried green tomatoes, fried okra. And again, you would have to order that in today. Papado's on I 17, this is a chain restaurant that came out of Houston. And does I, I would do very them, good, I, I would give them an eight plus oh, yeah. on Absolutely. their Cajun authenticity. Mm-hmm. And they've got an incredible lunch special, the half a pool boy with the crawfish bisque. But they've got uh, the papado platter. They also have the value package number five. It'll feed 12 people for just over 200 bucks. 90 fried shrimp, three pounds of fried chicken tenders, three quarter gallons of dirty rice, and a gallon of gumbo. Yum. And you Yum. can pick that up Monday because they don't open until 11 o'clock on Tuesday, which the game will start by then. So you call that in Monday, pick it up Monday night, and have it Tuesday morning so when you show up to the tailgate, you got some Cajun food with you to start the tailgate off right. Ça so c'est bon this beautiful Arizona Saturday morning, man, we're really meshing the, the Cajun heritage of the family with the Southwest heritage of Arizona that we love and have grown up in over the last 30, 40 plus years. Uh, and just to give all of our Arizona listening audience an idea of what it's like at LSU Stadium, what they call Death Valley, the wide receiver Bruce Ellington, who I believe plays for Detroit now, but was uh, at South Carolina he was a Gamecock, said, It was so loud I could barely read the signals. My eyes were vibrating. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to get quite that kind of sound level at Cardinal Stadium, I don't think, but to talk to, with us a little bit about what it's like being at Tiger Stadium, we've got the current play-by-play announcer, Chris Blair, joining us on the line, who's in town to cover this game.
1: Yeah, good to be with you. Yeah, happy to be in Arizona and talk uh, you know, the weather. Slightly better than it was in Baton Rouge, although it's hot most of the year there. It's nice to have uh, low humidity and, and mild temperatures uh, in late December headed into the new year. But uh, LSU is excited to be taking part in the Fiesta Bowl for the first time ever they've played as a program in this uh, long esteemed bowl. So a lot of excitement for Coach O and, uh, and the Fighting Tigers, uh, and they've got a pretty good opponent in, in the Knights of UCF who haven't lost a football game in 25 uh, games in a row.
2: Uh, is this your first time to Arizona?
1: Yeah, it actually is. It's the last state in the American Southwest that I have yet to visit in my career over the last 18 years. And uh, it hit me uh, on the charter flight over that uh, had never flown into Arizona, never been to Arizona. So, so far, so good. You know, uh, about 24 hours or so, and uh, loving it so far.
2: So, how many different stadiums have you been into?
1: Oh, goodness. Uh, In the Power 5 level, uh, I had, I don't know, probably uh, 25. 30. Um, You know, all the ACC venues, all the SEC venues, a couple of Big 12. uh, So I've been in quite a few.
2: Where does LSU Stadium rank in that?
1: You know, I'll be honest with you. People will say I'm biased, but, uh, you know, I've been in some of the uh, hallowed venues, if you will, in in college sports. And, you know, most of the time people put Tiger Stadium and Baton Rouge on a bucket list. Um, And if you get the opportunity to to, to play a game there and, and travel with the team you follow or the school you went to. Uh, I invite you to do so because there's really no place like it. I mean there's some great atmospheres, there's some great tailgating all over the country. I've had the pleasure to you know be a part of, of many of those, but it's just different in Baton Rouge. and it's kind of hard to explain unless you go through it and experience it yourself. But I will tell you this, I've got a lot of good friends and I've spent 10 years in the state of Georgia who came over for the LSU Georgia game this year. And they, they tailgate pretty good in Athens. And Sanford Stadium, obviously, is a great venue. They were upset that they were playing during the day on CBS. They wanted the experience <laughs> of Tiger Stadium at night, which <laughs> takes on a whole new level uh, of tailgating and uh, in-game experience. So that goes to show you, Georgia fans were excited about tailgating, knocking uh, Tiger Stadium off their bucket list, but they still wanted to experience at night. So ESPN and Ryan Rossillo, I mean, he said it. You know, it's one of the top venues during the daytime. Uh, The only thing that tops it is Tiger Stadium at night.
2: It is an incredible experience. And my grandfather was uh, in med school in 1958 when Billy Cannon returned, the famous punt return for a touchdown on Halloween night, and they later went on that year to win the championship. And we've had season tickets on the 42-yard line, 48th row, seats 3 and 4, since 1958. And you walk into the stadium, and it feels like the— it's alive.
1: You've yeah, got... it's incredible. Uh, my father was lucky enough to join me two years ago in my first ever Alabama LSU game at Tiger Stadium, which was at night, primetime on CBS. And his first time going inside Tiger Stadium. He walked in about six minutes to kickoff. Stadium was full. The lights were going. And and oddly enough, here's, here's kind of uh, interesting that I'm in Arizona, but he said seeing Tiger Stadium at night for the first time was like seeing the Grand Canyon for the first time. So... Uh, that goes to show you what type of atmosphere is created there. Uh, and it also helps that, you know, over the last several years, LSU's put together a pretty competitive football team. But to be honest with you, those people in Louisiana, they, I've learned having been there four years now, they'll throw a party at the drop of a hat. So uh, you put a football game together, that they're going to have a great time regardless of what's on the field.
2: And up until all, about the time you took over for Jen Hawthorne, I always streamed uh, through the Go Zone and listened to it. Uh, over the radio, but uh, and that would help me continue doing things around the horse, cleaning stalls, doing chores, working the garden, mowing the lawn. I wouldn't have this downtime in front of the TV. But the kids couldn't visualize what's going on, so we started watching on TV to get them engaged. So I haven't got to listen to you do a lot of play-by-play. But what's it like? Yeah, you were there for the transition from to to Coach O. How does the team embrace him?
1: Well, it, it's you know, it's quite different to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I, I had a chance to work with, with Les Miles who again had established himself. People felt like he was one of the top coaches in the country. And when you have, you know, a national title in your resume, you're you're gonna get that kind of respect. Um but I think also there's a in a day and age where, you know, people want success and they want it constantly, um, you know, coaches can maybe overstay their time. I'm not sure if that's exactly what happened with Coach Miles, but I think there was just kind of a Hey, we've done the same thing, we're kind of getting the same results, and, and now we're headed into, you know, over a decade at the helm. So, you know, you get a fresh start with Coach O, and, you know, the thing about Coach O is having grown up in the Bayou, not just in Louisiana, but literally in uh, Bayou LeFouche. Uh, he, he's just one of those. And so there was an instant gravitation for Tiger fans, I think, because he was a Louisiana guy. He actually uh, came to LSU to play football out of high school, um, only stayed about a year and then decided to go home and finish his college career later at Northwestern State in Natchitoches. But, you know, the thing about Coach O is people are just excited for what he's been able to do. And, you know, his calling card has always been his entire career, even when he started out at Miami and on to Syracuse, has been his recruiting. And I think that's, you know, kind of where you saw LSU slip a little bit. I mean, the SEC is still a running league. Yeah, there's a lot of high-powered offenses and there's, uh, you know, some quarterback play. You can look at what Gus Malzahn's doing. You know, and even Nick Saban now obviously has opened up uh, his offense to be much more prolific and, and much more uh, challenging. But at the end of the day, it comes down to what's up front offensively and defensively. You've got to have the big guys. you got to have big guys, athletic guys, skilled guys. Uh, that offensive line especially really becoming the skilled position the way they coach it today. Um, And Coach O has spent the last couple of years you know, beefing up that offensive front. I think they got a little thin there. Uh, And in big-time games against big-time programs, they had trouble when you're going up against 360 pounds and it happens to be an athlete. You need to be able to match that with a 360-pound athlete on the other side.
2: Now, you're now in your fourth year as the play-by-play announcer. Do you still need a translator for Coach O, or have you picked up on the lingo?
1: (laughs) No, i picked up on it really well, you know. I think it's interesting, uh, you know, Coach O and I get along so well, and he's really a nice guy. Uh, you know, he's an intense guy, and when it's football time, I mean, there's nobody more intense than he is, but, you know, off the field and in the moments I get to spend with him, he's a really personable guy, he's got a great sense of humor, he and I laugh, we do his coach's show each and every week during the football season, and in between uh, segments during the commercials, he and I will, you know, have a, have a few laughs, or he'll tell something funny about what's happened the last couple of days, so... I get along well with him, and yes, I understand every word he says.
2: How long did it take you to pronounce all the names on the team?
1: Now, that really was the trickier part, because again, as you know, in certain parts of Louisiana, certain, especially vowels, and even in some cases consonants, are pronounced differently. Not just differently from the rest of the country, but if you're in North Louisiana, something's pronounced different than if you're in Baton Rouge in South Louisiana. So that's been the toughest part. So I work very closely with Michael Bonnet, our sports information director, and every year when the fall roster, spring camp, or spring football, and then eventually fall camp comes around, I'll go back through the roster and I'll make sure if this kid is from Monroe, Louisiana, his name may be pronounced different than if he is from, say, Lafayette.
2: And what can we look forward to this Fiesta Bowl game?
1: You mean in, as far as the, the game plan for the
2: for the actual Fiesta
1: Bowl? And Correct. what we're trying to accomplish?
2: I mean, obviously, they, the plan's to win, but <laughs> there's a lot more that no, no, goes into I, I thought, the plan. It's an
1: interesting question because, you know, Coach o, coming off that difficult and really disappointing loss at Texas A&M, I mean, those guys, you know, when you go for the longest game in NCAA history and you score more points than anybody going over and over in seven overtimes, I mean, you, and you come up short. I mean, it's, it's not just devastating, you know, physically from playing that type of game and that length of game over five hours, but, I mean, mentally it is draining. So, you know, Coach O actually challenged his staff and he challenged the players getting this bowl opportunity and getting a New Year Six Bowl, giving them really a, a second, if you will, winter camp. Uh, you obviously have fall camp, you have spring football, but he kind of went into this kind of like winter camp. You know the guys that are going to be returning, some of the guys who will not be returning have already made that decision and, in fact, didn't make the trip out here. Uh, But for those guys who are building towards this game against Central Florida and for next season, they took this opportunity, this extra bunch of practices, actually to install some new pieces offensively. Um, And Coach Steve Enzming, our offensive coordinator, talked about it yesterday when he arrived here uh, in Scottsdale and and touched on the fact that he and the quarterback and the skill players really have have taken to some new stuff, some new wrinkles that we haven't seen all season. Uh, And I think part of that is to build this offense. not where Coach O wants it to be. If you want to know what Coach O wants his LSU offense to eventually look like, you go back uh, to Reggie Bush and the power days of Pete Carroll at USC. That's what he wants. He wants a balanced attack, but an exciting attack, both on the ground and through the air. And of course, Joe Burrow shows up on campus in June, not expected to be the quarterback. So he kind of had this delay in how much they could put in uh, throughout the season. And so, you know, I, I expect to see a few different things. Offensively from LSU against this UCF night team, who who obviously have taken the film and watched what LSU's been successful with this season. But they might see something a little bit different uh, in the way that Coach Insminger and Joe Burrow attack this night's defense.
2: And not to say anything bad about lsu's quarterbacks but man we really did have a a tough time we had jamarcus russell then we had matt flynn taking us to the national championship and behind him ryan perilu was going to take over gets kicked off the team and it seems like it's been a 10-year rebound recovering from uh you know getting back to that quality nfl type quarterback there hasn't been a uh quarterback from LSU and the pros since Matt Flynn.
1: No, you're exactly right. Nobody for LSU would disagree with you. It kind of stopped, uh, you know, with the Ryan Paraloo incident when he was uh, done from the team, dismissed from the team. They've kind of sputtered at quarterback since that time. And, and Joe Burrow, I think, is, is really going to come into his own. I've talked to a couple of, of former quarterbacks, and they talk about Joe Burrow, and they talk about, you know, what his time was at Ohio State, how beloved he was, how the coaching staff really liked him, but he was unable to win the starting job. Uh, He finishes his degree, now has two years remaining, decides to come to Baton Rouge, and you know a lot of guys told me, hey, he got here in June, he's learning a new offense with a new coordinator, and you probably will see the best Joe Burrow in his second season. Uh, But he's made some plays, and he's contributed this season. In fact, you can go back and look. There are decisions he made managing this offense that games would have turned out differently had he not been there. So I give Joe Burrow a lot of credit, really kind of building the plane as you're taking down – taking off down the runway, uh, trying to build it as you fly it. And I think we'll see the best Joe Burrow you know, coming up in, in the 2019 season. It has been an issue. I mean, that's you got to go back and you look at high school recruiting, and if you do, you'll notice Louisiana puts out a lot of NFL prospects. High school kids that play in Louisiana, uh, a lot of them make it their way to the, the, the top level and the National Football League. But you don't see a lot of quarterback talent in the prep area Coming out of Louisiana, you got a lot of great receivers. Certainly, you have a lot of great running backs. There's just been few and far between when it comes to quarterbacks in the state of Louisiana. So, you know, LSU, you know, at times have had to go out of the state to find a quarterback. I think that's getting better. They've signed a couple of kids coming up in the next couple of classes from Louisiana who have big-time numbers. But it's just one of those things. There's certain states that produce quarterbacks. Louisiana is just not one of them.
2: We have Glenn Dorsey. We've got LaRon Landry. We've got, uh, right here in Arizona, we've got Patrick Peterson. Honey Badger here for a little while. Uh, Early Doucette, he caught the winning touchdown pass in ASU Stadium and two years later was recruited to the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> So we, we've had a, the, the experience of a lot of that great talent here. LSU play-by-play yeah, announcer Chris Blair, we thank you for joining us this Saturday and look forward to listening to you during the game. Uh, uh, what is that, uh, Tuesday?
1: Tuesday, New Year's Day, looking forward to it. And boy, I tell you, as I mentioned in the outset, Arizona, the hospitality's been fantastic and, and looking forward to enjoying our stay here and headed back to Baton Rouge with a victory, hopefully on New Year's Day.
2: Enjoy your stay here in
1: Arizona. Go Tigers!
2: Santa Claus find you, Gary?
0: Oh, yeah, he knew where I
2: was. Yeah. We good. He, he may said- not have known where he, where I was. He knew where all my kids were. But I, he must not have known I was there. Or maybe I was on the naughty list. But oh, he did weird. leave me one thing. What's that? It was in a package of six. Six tickets to the fiestable for the whole family. He didn't forget you then. He knew. <laughs> that's that great. When you get into the game. Mm-hmm. The two final things you need to know is how to spell go with five letters. And right. that's not one G and four O's. That's <laughs> G-E-A-U-X.
0: Go. It's in the Webster's <laughs> Dictionary. The Cajun Webster's Dictionary, but it's in there.
2: And when in doubt, if you're not sure what happened, you don't understand what somebody's saying to you, or you don't want to ask them to repeat themselves a second or third time, because you're having a hard time understanding the dialect of the conversation with your neighboring LSU fan, the universal statement that you can just use blanket across the whole game. How does Coach O end his press conferences? Go Tigers. Go Tigers. That's it. (laughs) That'll be your universal get out of everything. And then the LSU alumni in Phoenix has a tailgate party. It is at the – Salt, tacos, and tequila in the Westgate area, 7.30 to 10.30.
0: That's on Tuesday On
2: Tuesday morning. And as true Louisiana style goes, they'll be back there after the game, too. (laughs) (laughs) So when you think tailgate, most people think before the game. There's before and after the game. In Death Valley, in LSU. And they'll be doing that at the Salt Taco and Tequilos with the LSU alumni.
0: And if you're not careful, they may stay until the Cardinals game on Sunday. Well, I think, yeah, I think they got the Seahawks. Well, it doesn't matter. They'll stay the whole time. (laughs) Look at this green grass.
2: They will start in Louisiana on a Wednesday. RVs start showing up. Right. So Mm -hmm. making a a one-day, four-hour football game a four-day event is nothing new. That's that's part of it. It's not a one-day event in the afternoon or in the evening event. It's a three-, four-day event. If you're not into football, other things going on today, speaking of Fiesta Bowl, the parade starts at 10 o'clock. You can go to fiestabowl.org for all the details. Uh, The parade draws about 100,000 people. There's over 90 different uh, floats that will be going on. It starts up on Central Avenue, just north of Missouri, and ends up down on 7th Street south of Thomas, or north of Thomas, south of Camelback, uh, yeah, not quite down to Thomas, but it's near the VA Medical Centers the endpoint Also going on today and it's a five day event. We're right in the middle of the National Livestock Show. Arizona's uh, 70th year of their livestock show at the fairgrounds. And did you know Arizona is only one of four states that has a junior livestock event the size uh, the caliber of Arizona? I would not have guessed we would have competed in the top four for that and this is people 12 and younger exhibiting animals that they've uh, raised and have bring to auction off. That's going on. Uh, You can also register to win your own Arizona staycation. Our winner right uh, this month, our winner is for January. Jack and his family get to go to Yuma, and starting next month, we'll have some different guests from Yuma talking about the things that are going on in Yuma at that time, uh, sites and events. It's one of those towns like Casa Grande, if you've never stopped or pulled off you know you've only hit the gas station and the fast food on the highway you're missing an incredible town in arizona so we'll bring that to you in february and in, in january but you can enter right now to enter february staycation and if you're a golfer this one is for you it's to the tubac golf resort and spa and we'll have uh lance in next week he's one of our team members he puts a lot of these things together He. I didn't get all the details from him, but he wanted to know if he could enter to win. He enjoys golf and says, we got the Supreme Golf Package. I have no idea what that means.
0: And I was the same way, too. I said, (laughs) can I enter, too, as well? Um, I saw that resort featured on Arizona Highways, the TV show, and it was jaw-dropping. And again, I haven't been to South Arizona a lot since I've lived here, but it's time for me to get on the road. because.
2: And if you win this from southern Arizona, we're not going to make you drive to Glendale to pick up your Sanderson Ford, then drive back down to Tubac. We will arrange for whatever vehicle you pick out, we'll bring it down to you. And that way you can leave from there and not turn a 40-minute drive into a a four-hour and 40-minute drive. So that's uh, And then we've got the entire year listed there. You're not into golfing. Look forward into March. It's a Wickenburg staycation. We've got Gold Rush happening in April. We've got Douglas, Arizona back down south. Catalina Foothills in May. Lake Havasu in June. Why would you go to Lake Havasu in June? Well, if you like water skiing, that's a perfect opportunity to take advantage of the staycation. July, back up into the mountains in Payson. August, Cottonwood september pine top so just scroll through there pick out which location in arizona you want to go and enter that month you don't want to go to patagonia in october don't enter to win in october maybe you enter in november to go to kingman that's the arizona staycation only at rosie on go to rosie on slash travel a z and you'll be going to a destination of your choice in a sanderson ford